Volcanoes. Earthquakes. Glaciers. And tsunamis. All a part of Alaska's geology. Mother Nature's natural hazards explained. Welcome to The Fault in the Facts. I'm Michaela Clark. Here, we talk about the truth and history of Mother Nature and explain her natural hazards. In the last episode, we talked about landslide hazards in south-central Alaska. Scientists confirmed that something like what happened in Latuya Bay in 1958, when a landslide generated the world's tallest tsunami, can happen in south-central Alaska. We heard about an event in 2015 where a landslide did the same thing, but in south-central Alaska and created a 600-foot tsunami that luckily had minimal impacts to humans. In this episode, we'll hear about a landslide in Prince William Sound that only has a soft grip on the earth beneath it, as it threatens to create a wave that could rival the size of the run-up of the world's tallest tsunami. The biggest focus is on the Barry Arm landslide. It's a large 500 million cubic meter landslide in northwestern Prince William Sound, about 50 kilometers or a little over 30 miles from the community of Whittier. News of the landslide's discovery was released in May 2020. The land sits high above the deep water, slowly creeping down Barry Arm's fjord wall. We've learned that it does experience periods of movement. It hasn't let go, but it's been losing its grip as scientists watch it very closely. What's it like to go to places like Barry Arm and see the massive landslides just towering over the water? It's overwhelming. The scale of it is really hard to, to understand by looking at it. The landscape is, is massive. The, the landslide itself is very large, and it's, it's just overwhel an overwhelming place to be. Scientists say the biggest show of force would likely be in Barry Arm itself. In a worst-case scenario, the land could hit the fjord, and push water more than 1,600 feet up the walls of Barry Arm. The biggest concern we have is just the, the uncertainty that we have in when the landslide itself would fail and the fact that we may or may not see precursors to that failure. The landslide was once held up by Barry Glacier, but in recent years, it's been quickly receding leaving the large landmass with nothing to support it. And so this could happen unexpectedly, and when it does happen, there's very little lead time from the failure of the landslide to when it could potentially impact those uh, nearby and in, uh, in nearby communities. The landslide and the tsunami it has the potential to trigger was first thought to be a big hazard to nearby Whittier. Initially, scientists thought a 30-foot wave could hit the coastal town but new research came with a downgraded worst-case scenario. In science, and especially in modeling, there's a large degree of uncertainty. And it's up to us and scientists to better understand the models, their strengths and weaknesses, to evaluate which one is more accurate. The current model that we're using has been developed and vetted by researchers at the USGS and is one that we have a high degree of confidence in. It says a smaller wave could be recorded in the Whittier area, but scientists still warn it could create damage to the town and a life-threatening situation to anyone in the area of the slide. Scientists have spent countless hours studying just what might happen if the Barry Arm landslide falls in a catastrophic way. We looked into the worst-case scenario and what would happen if the whole landslide failed. And based on those tests, we expect that a seven-foot tsunami wave would reach Whittier about 25 minutes after the landslide hit the water. 
USGS Research Civil Engineer Katie Barnhart says that means the water level around Whittier could rise seven feet after the landslide hits water. The tsunami wave that we simulate in the worst case scenario um, basically fills up the harbor almost to the top of the seawall, which is why you don't see a lot of inundation inland of the um, of the seawall. And although this tsunami likely wouldn't cause extensive flooding in Whittier, there um, could be currents in shallow water that could still be quite dangerous. While the current model doesn't predict major flooding in Whittier, Barnhart says it's still important to get to high ground if there's a tsunami warning. If you see or hear any signs of a potential tsunami, something like a loud roar, an earthquake, unusual ocean behavior, um, you won't know if that's because the Barry Arm landslide has failed or if another landslide somewhere else um, potentially closer by has failed. And so the best thing to do in that um, circumstance is to seek higher ground. The threat looming in Barry Arm isn't a normal landslide for scientists. This time, they can see it coming. The reason it comes up as being really worrisome when we see something moving like that is that we know in other places where there were huge landslides, that they typically move, the mountains move like that before they fail. So they kind of, it kind of creeps along and then something happens, which we don't understand very well. Something happens and then it fails catastrophically. Geologist Barrett Salisbury says scientists don't know if or when the landslide will disastrously fall into the water. What we don't know about Barry Arm is whether or not that is gonna fail all at once, all 650 million cubic yards, or whether it will be pieces that happen on the same day or decades apart or hundreds of years apart. We just don't know enough about the structure yet to make those kinds of estimates. While the slide is concerning to scientists, they haven't sounded the alarm. There, there are certain signs that would cause us to be more concerned than we are now. He says that could include more of the slide moving or parts of it moving more quickly. We're always concerned about earthquakes and prolonged rainfall. When we see different combinations of those factors, that would certainly raise our level of concern. Whittier, Alaska is a coastal town of about 250 people. The threat of a tsunami isn't new to the area. In 1964, a large wave washed into the community as the Great Alaska Earthquake shook the area. At first, the news of the slide was a shock for Whittier's Jamie Lone. She lives by the water. We were all like, what? <laughs> but now, she says it's all part of living in Alaska. Time's gone on, though. I feel like it's more of just like a healthy respect for it. We're not like living in fear, but it is something that is on a lot of people's minds. For her, it's like a wait and see game, but that doesn't mean she'll test fate. I feel like that would just be really silly for me to go out there right now when it could happen any any moment. And she thinks most of the community agrees with her. Say not not concerned to the point of where it's uh, like a heavy burden on our minds. It's obviously no one wants to lose their homes or their businesses or their lives. Um, but again, like that's kind of something that you take that chance when you're living in 
uh, Alaska in general. People in Whittier are working to adapt to the threat. A local charter owner says she stopped bringing anyone to the area of the slide, except for scientists on occasion. The perfect tour was going into Harriman Fjord because it's you're surrounded by glaciers. It's an easy trip, really good tidewater glaciers. It's quite spectacular in there. So that's, that's like the perfect trip. But since they announced it in 2019 or 2020, um, we haven't gone into Harriman Fjord except for a few times this summer when it was a little bit more stable. But with all this talk of possible impacts from the landslide and potential tsunami comes an interesting story. What could end up being one of Alaska's largest landslides was found in a peculiar way. One of these kind of like happenstance science stories. This story involves Higgs' sister, Valisa. She was visiting this place called Berry Arm. I'd been to a presentation that my brother had done, and he was talking about uh, retreating ice, um, creating instabilities in steep slopes. And so I guess that was kind of in the back of my head. During her artist-in-residence program in 2019, Valisa's group took a pit stop in Berry Arm so she could get some water from a glacier stream. And I was standing out on the beach and I was looking across and I'm like, wow, that's a really steep slope. Wow, that glacier's been retreating fast because they talked about how there was an island there that hadn't been there a few years before and all this other stuff. And I was like, wow, that's kind of the recipe for disaster that my brother was talking about, you know, like retreating ice, steep slope, instabilities. So I snapped a couple of photos. When she got back home, she mentioned the photo to her brother. Actually, at the time, I didn't really take in the whole picture. I mean, I, to me, it also looked like, oh, that looks a little unstable, but I didn't kind of look big enough. But Haig reached out to geologist Chun-Li Dai at Ohio State University. She was using automated analysis to look for landslides that have already fallen. He told her about Valisa's photo. So I, I tested that, and then we, we find something, we see something like completely much larger than we expected. She came back with results that initially I didn't really believe. They, they showed this whole, like a basically a whole mountain moving horizontally into this fjord, which didn't really make sense. Um, and I, I was, I, she was still developing her system and stuff. So I, I kind of pushed back. I was like, I don't know, is this, is there some mistake here or something? In the first, we thought something's wrong with my algorithm because it's a new tool. It's not being validated yet. And then we found like other ways of, of, of proving that. And sure enough, like this huge section of the mountain, it's actually rotating. One photo from a geologist's sister identified a threat and led to many months, if not years, of analysis in Barry Arm and Prince William Sound. It's um, one of those things where it's sort of a right place, right time thing. Um, Kig even says there have been landslide scientists that have been right there and hadn't even thought about it. It's just that it was at the top of my mind because of Higgs' presentation. This is something that's great working in Alaska is there are so many people who have sort of a naturalist eye. You don't have to be like a PhD geologist to be out in the wilderness and notice something that's actually really important. Pretty proud of it. I, I don't know, it's funny. It's, I, I jokingly refer to it as my landslide. Um. <laughs> 
A cataclysmic event in southeast Alaska more than 60 years ago shares similarities with a landslide hundreds of miles away that has the potential to create destruction and leave a death toll. I think it's totally appropriate to look at a place like Latuya Bay and, and see what happened there and think about what that might mean for something like Barry Arm or to fail. After a large earthquake in July 1958, 40 million cubic yards of land fell into Latuya Bay, creating a catastrophic splash. The landslide itself is 10 times the size, potentially, of what happened in Latuya Bay. Measured at an estimated 650 million cubic yards, the Barry Arm landslide is monstrous compared to the deadly 1958 slide that pushed water 1,720 feet up Latuya Bay's tall fjord walls. And scientists say the Barry Arm landslide has the ability to rival its run-up height. The scale of the run-up is on the order of what we saw in Latuya Bay, and the wave itself is potentially uh, much larger in terms of the spatial extent at which it could impact on that Latuya Bay. All three landslides, Latuya Bay, Ton Fjord, and Barry Arm, have a common factor. They were once held up by glaciers and left unsupported as the ice quickly melted. They are, are all situated in a location that's next to a receding glacier. Uh, there's, there's still some science that we need to do to really make that clear link, definitive link between the recession of the glacier, the instability, and the failure of the landslide. Through the many months it's been studied, a few surprises have come from the Barry Arm landslide. Higgs says one of them is that it hadn't been discovered before. It's like, it's gigantic, it has moved a long ways, it has all of the classic features you would look for in order to identify a slope like this. There's actually been geologists who've worked in that area. Some of the geologists that were part of our team that were kind of studying this had actually worked in that area, but they weren't looking at that question. So he decided to take it on and look systematically around the state. Are there other sites that we should be, you know, studying a bit, potentially concerned about? And that has been, uh, well, unfortunately, a fruitful exercise. He says he's found a few unstable slopes in Alaska. While most of them are unlikely to threaten people, there's a few others he's studying carefully. But lawmakers are working to help give scientists more resources to assess landslide hazards around the country. After the Barium landslide was found, USGS Acting Associate Director for Natural Hazards Jonathan Gott says federal lawmakers authorized funding for agencies in Alaska to help monitor unstable slopes around Barry Arm and study landslide hazards in the Prince William Sound area. That essentially, uh, that increase doubled the size of the USGS landslide program. So we're, we're in essence focusing half of our efforts in South Central Alaska. The landslide hazards program prior to that increase was about $4 million a year. And that increase provided an additional $4 million to work in South Central Alaska. And in early 2021, the president signed the National Landslide Preparedness Act into law. That authorizing legislation provides, um, in essence, a bully pulpit, right, to speak to those issues. Lawmakers also authorized millions of dollars for the landslide hazards program. Congress highlighted 
by the le- by the authorizing legislation that landslide hazards are important. He says since the barrier on landslide has been found, agencies have used the appropriations to install instruments so they can better monitor the landslide's movement and other indications it may be moving in a concerning way. We've been working really hard to get water level measurements out there that can tell us that a tsunami wave is leaving Barry Arm. And that's an integral part to having an alert and warning system, which we're also testing there. Tsunami Warning Coordinator Dave Snyder says the National Tsunami Warning Center has been working with the state, the Coast Guard and the National Weather Service on an experimental warning system. All those groups need to be involved in that alert and warning process. And at the end of the line are those local communities that receive the warning and know what to do with it when it says very armed tsunami warning. And it will look very much like a tsunami warning when it comes across uh, all the system. He emphasized it's experimental and the agencies are getting closer to turning it on each day. Natural hazards are a normal part of living life anywhere. The Latuya Bay landslide killed two people and four survived. The Ton Fjord event left a scar in Alaska's geology, but no one was injured. The Barry Arm landslide has the potential to cause death and destruction, but experts say making choices about the amount of time you spend in the danger zone is a way of taking the risk into your own hands. But this show is called The Fault in the Facts, and I'd like to end with a fact about a fault. Higgs shared how faults play a role in unstable slopes across Alaska. Glacial retreat uh, is a really important variable in this. We also know that faults are a really important variable. Um, And if you look around the state at where there are uh, unstable slopes that are sort of similar to this, not all of them above glaciers, um, they do follow where the big active fault lines are. The Fairweather Fault, for instance, in southeast has a huge number of them. Castle Mountain Fault, there are lots of instabilities near that. The Western Denali Fault, so there, the, it is something that, that uh, really those fault lines actually are tied into this. And it, it helps kind of, you know, it's, it's pretty intuitive that, yeah, you shake the bejesus out of a mountain, it might, might uh, become more unstable as a result. Thank you for tuning into this episode of The Fault in the Facts. Let us know if you have any questions or misconceptions you want answered. You can email us at streamingnews at ktuu.com.